This podcast should not be considered as medical advice. If you are looking for medical advice, please contact a licensed physician, but do find someone that has a brain and can think critically about what's going on in the world today. This is the Collective Resistance Podcast with your hosts, Leo and Fabiola. We will be discussing why we find ourselves resisting the narratives of the Common Collective, as well as why the Common Collective resists new information. People continue to confuse being obedient with being a good person. You are not a good person for following unscientific, morally corrupt rules. What you are is a coward. Good people don't follow unjust laws. It's their disobedience to them that creates positive change. Ryan Martin. My name is Barbara Lowe Fisher. My son was injured by DPT vaccine in 1980. And this is a reference commentary brought to you by the nonprofit National Vaccine Information Center that can be read on NVIC.org. With the exception of Pearl Harbor and September 11, 2001, Americans have not been attacked by an enemy on our own soil. Unlike countries in Europe during World War II, America has never been occupied by a military force or locked down under martial law. We have never seen soldiers in armored vehicles patrolling the streets, warning us to stay in our homes or face arrest or worse. Beginning in 1776, when our freedom-seeking founders wrote the Declaration of Independence, and stood their ground from Lexington and Concord to Saratoga and Valley Forge, and then came together to create a constitutional republic dedicated to protecting individual and minority rights. The United States of America has defined and served as a beacon for liberty for people around the world. This summer, we watched soldiers patrolling the streets of Sydney, Australia, with helicopters overhead, blaring warnings to a stunned, lockdown people to stay in their homes in the name of the public health. We have watched hundreds of thousands of people, young and old, gather together again and again in the streets of Paris, London, Rome, Athens, and Berlin. They are marching against authoritarianism the kind of Orwellian authoritarianism embodied in government-issued vaccine passports that punish citizens for simply defending the right to make a voluntary medical decision for themselves and their minor children. A decision about whether to be injected with a biological pharmaceutical product that can cause serious reactions, injure, kill, or fail to work. The signs they carry say, no forced testing, no forced vaccines, stop the dictatorship, hands off our children, my body is mine, big pharma shackles freedom, no to the passive shame, better to die free than live as a slave. In what has become a prophetic primal scream for liberty, governments are ordering the police to break up the largely peaceful demonstrators flooding the big cities and small villages of Western Europe the first populations to organize massive public protests against old-fashioned tyranny dressed up in 21st century clothes. The people of Europe were the first to stand up for freedom during this government-declared public health emergency because they know how tyranny begins. 
They know what it looks like and they remember what it feels like. They remember and are declaring never again. Most Americans living today do not remember World War II, or if they do, it is through what their parents or grandparents told them about it. World War II was not fought on American soil. Americans went to war in Europe to stop the slaughter of millions at the hands of an authoritarian fascist government commanding the army of the Third Reich that killed in the name of the public health and safety. Even as an authoritarian communist government slaughtered many more millions during a reign of terror in the Soviet Union. Most American children today are not taught what happened in China after World War II when the Chinese Communist Party implemented the Great Leap Forward and the Great Proletarian Cultural Revolution. Those militant ideological cleansing campaigns imprisoned and killed tens of millions of citizens because they criticized or opposed authoritarian government policies. In America, we have taken our freedom for granted because while we have been willing to fight to defend the freedom of others, we have never been called upon to defend it in our own backyard. Most Americans have never imagined we would experience a serious threat to autonomy and freedom of thought, speech, conscience, and assembly. So deep has been our trust in the laws and cultural values, which have, for the most part, ensured fundamental freedoms in our country that we never believed it could happen here. But the last 20 months have changed everything. Many Americans have begun to understand that tyranny can be disguised to look like safety, even as many others still cannot bring themselves to believe it. Striking fear into the hearts and minds of the people, the move toward authoritarianism in America began with government officials suddenly telling us, even children as young as two years old, that we could not breathe fresh air or inner public spaces without a mask covering our face. Millions of American workers, judged to be non-essential, lost the ability to earn a living so they could eat and pay rent during flatten-the-curve lockdowns we were told would last only a few weeks, but instead went on for months. Anyone who criticized government narratives about their origin of SARS-CoV-2 virus or questioned social distancing restrictions was immediately publicly shamed and censored. Any doctor who tried to provide early treatment for COVID-19 patients by repurposing safe and effective licensed drugs and nutritional supplements to help their patients survive the infection were also publicly shamed and censored. After the FDA granted Pfizer and Moderna an emergency use authorization in December 2020 to distribute their liability-free experimental mRNA COVID-19 vaccines in the U.S., public health officials enlisted big corporations to launch a hard-sell national vaccine advertising campaign targeting all Americans over the age of 12. Anyone who asked questions or challenged the hard sell was immediately censored on social media. State governments and employers were encouraged to threaten workers, especially healthcare workers and emergency responders, with loss of their jobs for refusing the vaccine. Private businesses were encouraged to deny unvaccinated citizens entry to restaurants, stores, and other public venues. 
By the end of July 2021, the Department of Veteran Affairs directed all VA healthcare workers to be fully vaccinated or lose their jobs. In early August, the Department of Defense announced that all military service members must be fully vaccinated when the FDA officially licenses a COVID-19 vaccine or lose their jobs. Suddenly on August 23, the Pfizer mRNA vaccine was licensed without a public meeting of the FDA vaccines and related biological products advisory committee and full disclosure of the scientific data supporting licensure. By the end of August, about 176 million Americans had been fully vaccinated, representing a 53.6% of our population of 333 million people, which is the third largest in the world. And studies had confirmed that the SARS-CoV-2 infection mortality ratio in the US remains at less than 1%. But the executive branch of the US government was not happy. Federal health officials had publicly set the goal of persuading 90% of Americans to get the COVID vaccine, although it is clear now that the real goal all along was a 100% vaccination rate, no exceptions and no questions asked. At the beginning of September, the politics of persuasion gave way to an iron-fisted approach using the heel of the boot of the state to try to club 100 million unvaccinated Americans into submission. On September 9, 2021, the President of the United States followed the advice of top public health officials and in effect declared war on unvaccinated Americans. He scapegoated and placed all the blame for the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic on the unvaccinated even though federal health officials admit that fully vaccinated people can still get infected and transmit the virus to others. And even though breakthrough COVID infections, hospitalizations and deaths in fully vaccinated people are on the rise. And even though evidence shows individuals who have recovered from the infection have stronger natural immunity than those who have been vaccinated. And even though officials at the World Health Organization now say that the SARS-CoV-2 virus is mutating like influenza and is likely to become prevalent in every country, no matter how high the vaccination rate. The president told 100 million unvaccinated Americans that, quote, our patience is running thin and issued an executive order that every person working for the executive branch of the federal government, more than 2 million people must get fully vaccinated or lose their jobs. That order also applied to about 17 million healthcare professionals working in medical facilities that accept Medicare and Medicaid. There is no option for executive branch employees to get tested. The rule is get vaccinated or be fired. It is interesting that the order does not apply to workers in the judicial branch or legislative branch which includes members and staffers in Congress. The president also ordered the Department of Labor to issue a rule that carries penalties of $14,000 per violation to force private companies with more than 100 employees to get their workers fully vaccinated or be tested weekly. He also called for all teachers and school staff in all schools to be fully vaccinated.
The next day, the director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, Dr. Anthony Fauci, criticized the president for not going far enough. Fauci said that the government should give Americans no option but to get injected with the biological product that some describe as a vaccine, others characterize as a genetic therapy or cell disruptor biological, and others allege is a bioweapon made in a lab in China with US funding. Then Fauci said all children must be vaccinated or denied a school education. And all unvaccinated people must be banned from getting on an airplane. At the same time, a Virginia congressman introduced the Safety Travel Act that would require travelers getting on a plane or Amtrak train in the US to show proof of COVID vaccination or a negative COVID test within 72 hours of boarding. Today, people in some cities are being denied entrance to restaurants and stores if they can't prove they have been fully vaccinated. Doctors are refusing to provide medical care to the unvaccinated. Hollywood entertainers are celebrating the deaths of unvaccinated people, saying they deserve to die, and are calling for the unvaccinated who get COVID to be denied admission to hospitals for treatment. Judges are separating children from mothers who have not gotten a COVID shot. Influential scientists are insisting lawmakers make it a hate crime for anyone to publicly criticize scientists and government health officials. Dissenters are told they are selfish and characterized as an enemy of the state for simply defending the human right to inform consent to medical risk taking. The normalizing of the ritualistic persecution of Americans who are refusing to give up the right to autonomy, which is the first and most fundamental human right, is underway. The Orwellian message is, the life of any person who dissents from government policy must be systematically destroyed. Demanding obedience, government health officials characterized public health policies that segregate, discriminate, and turn people against each other as the good. Yet a lot of Americans instinctively know segregation and discrimination is not good. They know that persuading a majority of citizens to scapegoat a minority of citizens to cover up the failures of government is allowing evil to triumph. Dissenting Americans, both vaccinated and unvaccinated, fill the ranks of every socioeconomic class, every political party, and every faith-based community. They understand the meaning of the warning that, quote, the only thing necessary for triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing and they are not going to stand by and do nothing. When government threatens to take away an individual's right to employment, education, healthcare, and the ability to enter a store to buy food, enter a hospital, or travel on public transportation, there is no other word for it but tyranny. This virus, which has a 99% survival rate, and this leaky vaccine, which fails to reliably prevent infection and transmission in the fully vaccinated, has racked up 
a record-breaking more than half a million vaccine adverse event reports in the U.S. alone. It will not be the last virus and vaccine to be weaponized against the people in the name of the greater good. That is because forced vaccination is the tip of the spear in a culture war that has been going on for much longer than the 40 years that I have been a vaccine safety and human rights activist publicly warning that this day would come. It is a war that will cause more suffering until enough of us refuse to be siloed and instead join together to change dangerous laws that abuse the trust and goodwill of the people. Every single American, whether you have been vaccinated or not, should stop to reflect upon what is happening in our country. Think about what liberty means. Imagine what life will be like in the future if you cannot leave your home without being harnessed to a government-issued digital ID, which contains personal information about your body and your life, and is hooked up to an electronic surveillance system that records and controls every move you make. Imagine if you are a healthcare worker and your medical license is taken from you for refusing to get a government-mandated vaccine, which is a public health policy being implemented in Washington, D.C., a city where doctors can now vaccinate children as young as 11 years old without the knowledge or consent of their parents. Imagine if you cannot hold any type of job or enter a grocery store to buy food to feed your family or enter a drugstore, cafe, gym, school, cinema, museum, park, or beach without showing proof you've been vaccinated. Imagine if you are denied entrance to a doctor's office or lose your Medicare and Social Security benefits because you don't have the vaccine passport, a suggestion made recently on national television. Imagine if you cannot get on a plane or bus to visit your children or elderly parents because federal government officials have exercised authority over interstate commerce and banned the unvaccinated from crossing state borders, an action that some proponents of forced vaccination are urging the current administration to make. Imagine if you cannot get a driver's license, file your taxes, open or access your bank account, or use a credit card to make a purchase if you fail to produce the required vaccine paperwork stamped by the government. Imagine if you or your child have already suffered a previous serious vaccine reaction or have an underlying inflammatory immune disorder that increases your risk for being harmed by vaccination, but doctors refuse to see you because you are unvaccinated, which is already happening in America, and you are denied admission to a hospital for a life-saving operation. If you think that the vaccine passport is only about this virus and this vaccine, think again. Forced vaccination was always the end game, both before and during this pandemic. And the proof of that lies in the decades of federal legislation and federal agency rulemaking, paving the way for what we are experiencing today. Right now, forced vaccination is the quickest means to what the World Economic Forum transparently describes on its website as the Great Reset. You, your children and grandchildren are the commodity. And in the name of the greater good, you are expected to obediently allow others to reset your life in all kinds of ways 
without making a sound. The government-issued passport allowing you to function in society is just the first step on the slippery slope to what will be many more requirements and restrictions on your freedom in the days, months, and years to come. The question is, will you allow yourself to be used and abused by those currently holding the power to do what they want to do to you? Or will you defend your God-given right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness? The, this pandemic of deception and incompetence has stolen from our daily lives the peace and joy we deserve to have, leaving too many of us confused and paralyzed by fear, divided from our family and friends, crippled with anxiety and despair, allowing hopelessness to rule our days. It doesn't have to be like this. We can refuse to be psychologically manipulated so we are stripped of love and compassion and are unable to engage in rational thinking. We can push back against the authoritarians taking away our freedom and trying to divide us. We can do it the way that all successful social reform movements before us have done it, through actively participating in local, state, and federal government and by engaging in non violent civil disobedience if that becomes necessary. Instead of allowing ourselves to be separated from one another, we can stay connected and meet together in small groups in our homes and neighborhoods. We can develop personal relationships with our elected officials at every level of government, from our local sheriff and elected members of local school boards and city and county councils to our elected state and federal legislators. If we don't like the way the people we have elected are governing, we can vote them out or run for office ourselves and help change the laws. We can talk to the young men and women serving in our community police departments and the US military to remind them of how important it is to value and protect human rights and civil liberties so that if they are ever called upon to implement authoritarian rule, they will make the right choice. Above all, we can be self-disciplined and make rational decisions that do not lead to violent confrontations because that kind of behavior only plays into the hands of those whose ultimate goal is to take away autonomy and more individual freedoms in the United States. During the civil rights movement of the 1950s and 60s, the most profound statements were made by those who sat down in the front of the bus or in a chair at a segregated restaurant or other public place and simply refuse to move. There are restaurant owners in New York City who are refusing to follow orders directing them to discriminate against and deny service to the unvaccinated. There are veteran healthcare workers on the front lines caring for patients during the pandemic who are being fired for supporting informed consent rights and giving up their careers to stand on principle. Many of them suspect that the next cruel order they will be told to obey is to deny life-saving medical treatment to unvaccinated patients. There are corporate CEOs and union leaders who are refusing to bow to political pressure to require rank-and-file workers to get the vaccine or risk losing their jobs. There are courageous doctors and scientists who have never spoken out publicly before who are risking their careers by demanding that mass vaccination policies be backed up by good science, 
who are challenging the government's narrative that natural immunity is not as good as vaccine-acquired immunity, who are criticizing the long-term safety of mRNA vaccines and providing convincing evidence that the SARS-CoV-2 virus did not spontaneously jump out of a bat, but was genetically engineered by scientists in biohazard labs. There are state lawmakers who are listening to the people and refusing to vote for the passage of forced vaccination laws that perpetuate the illusion that vaccine passports are the only solution to ending the pandemic. These Americans are rejecting authoritarianism. They are heroes and they are on the right side of history. They and many other brave Americans are helping us make our way through this time of fear, oppression, and suffering when the cultural values and beliefs that have guaranteed freedom in this great country of ours are being tested. I believe we will come together and pass this test. We will act responsibly to protect our liberty. We will restore the spirit of freedom to its rightful place at the center of our culture. We will do it because we know that if the state can tag, track down, and force individuals against their will to be injected with biologicals of known and unknown toxicity today, then there will be no limit on which individual freedoms the state can take away in the name of the greater good tomorrow. You can choose to be a hero wherever you live. You can choose to reject the ugly call to shame and punish your friends, family members, neighbors, colleagues, and fellow citizens for defending the human right to autonomy and protection of bodily integrity, which is the essence of the informed consent ethic. You can choose freedom over fear. Be the one who never has to say, you did not do today what you could have done to change tomorrow. Do it for yourself, your children and grandchildren, and for all the generations to come. It's your health, your family, your choice. And our mission continues. No forced vaccination, not in America. Fabiola. Hey, Leo. We are back. I know. We took a... I was actually, I was actually, I was looking, I was like, when did we publish last? And it's been 40 days. 40 days, And 40 Whoa. nights. Man, it goes so fast. Yeah, it does. And it feels like ages. Mm-hmm. A lot has happened. A lot of, um, should I say drama? I don't know. <laughs> Not necessarily drama, but I mean, just, just a lot, a lot of work to be done. Right? A lot of work to be done. Yes. On, on all fronts. Now. Yeah. Within too. Within, Within ourselves, yeah. lots With, of work to be done. Inside, outside, all around. Now, um, a lot of you may be saying, man, uh, Leo, Febby, that was a long clip. You it know? was a long clip, but we, it was... We get it. and we, we, It says it all. Yeah, yeah. We felt like, um, you know, we were coming back from a break, lots going on. We need to kind of summarize, you know, what are all of the fronts where are all of the battles being uh, being had? The battle lines are being drawn. Well, and 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 uh, I think because I know some of the people listening, you know, they don't look at it as a war, and that's and 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 I I think there are um, 
advantages to not looking at it as a war either. You know, it's just it, it's the um, we've we've talked about the the caterpillar turning into the butterfly. Yeah, it has to liquefy and basically completely reform. We're getting liquefied. We are we are in liquef liquefaction <laughs> mode. We're is it. Is it the chrysalis? The chrysalis, yes, yes. We've mentioned it before, and uh, you know, it's it's uh, really a mind blowing aspect of uh, of a living being in nature. And uh, we don't give the butterflies uh, too much thought. You know, we see them and we're like, oh, you know, how how lovely, you know, with their mm -hmm. different designs. But to understand the the um, the chaos that they undergo to then come out and then become that thing that is now not bound, you know, by sitting on a plant or the ground, it can fly wherever it wants. And it is quite beautiful. You know, it had to go through that chaos. Mm -hmm. And so metamorphosis, uh, metamorphosis. And so we are in that chaos right now. Um, now that woman who was speaking, that was uh, Barbara Lowe Fisher. She is uh the uh, co-founder and president of the National Vaccine Information Center. Yes, and and uh, I don't know that we've. Uh, she's probably been on. She's been around for a long time, and she what her awakening was when her child, her son, her yeah. son decades ago, I think it was in the eighties, was severely injured by the DTaP vaccine. Which, by the way, uh, she, I think she helped produce it. She's certainly one of the primary contributors in it, uh, the actual documentary called The Greater Good. Mm -hmm. and, and I know she actually uses the term The Greater Good there toward the end of her, her uh, clip that we featured. But uh, that's an excellent documentary. Again, it's, it has nothing to do with COVID. It, was, it came out before COVID. But um, it's kind of looking at both sides of the vaccination debate, you know, mm -hmm. and, and really kind of doing it from the the uh, the typical point of view of you know we have to do these things for the greater good mm -hmm. and and I remember I remember one of the key takeaways that I had after watching that documentary was you know if we're able to prove that the data around you know the reporting of injuries and and uh, you know the the links to things like autism you know are being uh, um, kept muted. You know, if we're able to actually show that the, that data is real, then, you know, at what point in the percentage of um, people who are impacted adversely do we say, okay, well, this isn't in the greater good's interest? Mm -hmm. You know, is it is it 5%? Is it 8%? Is it 10%? I mean, what is the percentage where we're saying, okay, uh, we're, 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 we're fine with these kids getting impacted adversely? Um, so that, that was a, a very, uh, um, you know, it, it was a moment where I was like, yeah, I mean, shouldn't we be able to specifically pinpoint what we're okay with and then also establish why we're okay with that, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, uh, all we're seeing is obfuscating and that's before COVID. And now with COVID it's, it's really at, you know, epic proportions, yes. right? Um, so anyway, so yeah, so, so a lot of great, we'll link to the greater good. If I can find it, I didn't look, I don't know if it's available to watch anywhere from stream, but I think it's from about five years ago or so, but it, it is a good uh, documentary. And, uh, we thought that she did a fantastic job kind of summarizing where we're at. Although I would maybe be a little bit critical of a, of a couple things that she said, but overall, um, I, I really, really liked, uh, uh, everything she, she, she brought together. And we thought that was an important thing to do as we're coming back from these 40 days off. So 
Um, it has been a while, and uh, what has transpired, um, I actually, you know, one of the biggest things that, that uh, was on my radar as we kind of took the, the initial break was that uh, we were getting to this point where the kids were going back to school, mm-hmm. and we were worried that they were going to institute a mask mandate. Mm-hmm. And part of the reason we came out here uh, to the Pacific Northwest was that, you know, we wanted to... Um, um, you know, be in a state that that uh, kind of respected people's choice, and uh, uh, we didn't want to have our kids masked in school. And uh, you know, with the threat of I shouldn't say threat, but with the the potential uh, uh, you know uh, mandate to have kids wear masks again uh, after our kids had just been back at school for I think maybe about seven or eight days, really. Um, it was really kind of putting us in a stressful situation because we were like, oh, okay, maybe we have to pull them out, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and maybe we have to revert back to some type of homeschool e-learning. And we really had none of that infrastructure prepped because, you know, we knew they were going back to school. So And they wanted to go back to school. Yeah, yeah. And, and so, you know, we really got um, active, you know, attending board meetings, um, you know, having conversations with board members, and also kind of building a bit of a tribe, right? Mm-hmm. You know, yes. fi- finding like-minded parents, kind of understanding where they're coming from, what can we do to, um, you know, kind of make sure that the, the, the board and some of the powers that be understand our position, you know, from a place of, of um, you know, dare I say love and understanding, you mm-hmm. know, and just, you know, respect, mutual respect and whatnot. And, uh, um, that was awesome, you know, because you know we're new up here. Mm-hmm. It's great, and to- there's the, the 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 super cool thing about where we are now is that there's so many new people. Yeah, so we don't feel like <laughs> we're in this, uh, shall we say, fight <laughs> alone, and we are the majority, really. Yeah, in this area. And in our school community, which is a beautiful community, we're getting to know some beautiful individuals. And, you know, there is there is trial and tribulation, but there's also triumph and there is that metamorphosis. We are watching this unfolding here real time and understanding that is so important to engage yeah. You know, get involved, not wait for anybody to save us, but take action but from a, a place of um, love, compassion, compassion, and understanding. Yeah, you know, just empowering yourself, right? Not mm-hmm. not doing it because, because you um, are out of options, doing it because you really want to be engaged, you want to be part of the process, and, and you want to learn, you want to understand what you, what you don't know, you know? Mm-hmm. And so... Um, so anyway, so that that was one aspect, and then immediately after the kids going back to school for a couple of weeks, we were making a trip back home to where we moved from, and uh, uh, we were driving. So it's a, a long drive, right? A mm-hmm. uh, couple day drive to get back to the Midwest, and uh, you know we were now guests in the Midwest as opposed to um, you know having a home there, whether it's mm-hmm. a rented home or an owned home. Uh, and we went back home to kind of attend a family function 
and uh, with, with the rest of, of the, the immediate family. And, uh, you know, that had some, some drama around it. Um, and I, and I think that, um, you know, we learned some stuff there, you know, we understand that we can be, um, sometimes a little bit, uh, touchy with, with, with stuff. And, and we, uh, um, but you know, at the same time we have the, we have the uh, principles, you know, where we're like, we need to hold firm on these things. Mm -hmm. It's important because it's the example we're sitting with, setting with our children. These are the agreements that we've made with each other. And, uh, you know, I think we, we got through it, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and we did it with as much grace as was possible. Um, and then, uh, people uh, are going to all be curious about what you're saying. Well, I, the story I, I, behind it, because you're being so vague. I am being vague. Well, I'm looking at you even, because I don't even know how much you want shared. You in can the, share. Yeah. No, well, it was just a situation where... We're um, public figures. We're public figures. Okay. Oh, God. Jeez oh. <laughs> Louise. No. Um, no, it, it was just a, it was just a, a misunderstanding of, um, you know, I, actually, I, I shouldn't even say misunderstanding. It's just that I don't think that people really understand at least about us. They don't understand that, you know, we have a, a line drawn in the sand. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and, and I think that a lot of people, and I think we've established that in this, in this um, podcast that many people, I would say most people don't have a line. Yeah. They don't. So, so they kind of move the line around depending on the situation they're in. Right. So mm-hmm. if they're at their job, they might do X, Y, or Z. If they're, at your shop. Uh, at, at, well, if they're, if they're at home with their, their, their family or their in-laws, they might do this. If they're with their close friends, they might do that. You know, but they kind of move the line around, right? Mm-hmm. And, and we have... The, As humans, I think we all do. Well, no, certainly we do that in times in our life. But we made an agreement that with this, we're not, we're not budging anymore. Okay, mm-hmm. you know. Co- well, I mean, with COVID measures that are unscientific and make no sense, we challenge people yeah. that ask us to conform. Mm-hmm. And we were asked before we went on this family trip to uh, maybe do a test as a family, all of us, and uh, because we don't see value in the testing and we feel like the testing is what caused us to be in the mess that we're in in the first place. It was propaganda, and people still believe that the test is a effective tool to determine infection or disease when It's not. It's a test that has been um, given the label of the gold standard of this pandemic. But we know it's a test that has no controls. We have talked about that in this podcast, right? So um, you say asymptomatic people are sick. And then people that have symptoms obviously are sick. And so you can determine a percentage or... Um, a margin of error, you know, positive versus negative, because you don't have a control. 
And so we don't want to participate and we didn't want to ruin the trip because let's say we went and did this bogus test that doesn't determine infection uh, and somebody was positive, then it would just, you know, people would just get up in arms because when you hear, oh my gosh, they tested positive, you know, people just panic. So we didn't want to participate into that, but I wanted to be inquisitive about it and um, the family member that I was trying to be inquisitive with got upset and um, and, and, re- really, and was judgmental. And then I was judgmental back. It was terrible. And so it kind of ruined the trip a little bit. I mean, I, I don't think it ruined it. But I mean, I think it certainly created an, an elephant in the room. It was definitely uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. And it caused, uh, you know, family members not to talk to each other. Yeah, yeah. Which it was interesting because... Um, you know, we have friends who are um, therapists and whatnot, and uh, uh, those friends had mentioned that, uh, you know, they're seeing a lot of this, mm-hmm. you know, that, yeah. that, that it, this is one of the most talked about things. Oh, she's is, not a friend. She is our therapist. Okay. See, look, we now, have now you're, now a you're, therapist. okay, okay. <laughs> Rerecord, whole episode. Come on. Come now. on. Um, well, she is a friend. Okay, so it wasn't she's a lie. She's a friend. But, um, she's a therapist. But uh, yeah, so she was just saying she's seeing it left and right, you know, and and that this is like the most uh, talked about topic, you know, it's just as far as how people relate toward mm-hmm. vaccination, toward infection, toward really, you know, who's going to do what, when, why, where, you know, it's just leading to so much drama. You know, it's mm-hmm. like your. Um, it's just like you're permanently in a wedding planner, you know, you know, a wedding that's being planned and, yeah. and everything's going wrong. Right. You know what I mean? You, you just can't win for losing. Um, so, you know, so that, that, that happened. And then um, also we had a lot of interactions with friends while we were in town. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, we had some, some strange ones. I mean, I can remember one where, um, you know, I was discussing with a, uh, um, an older gentleman, and uh, actually there was a group of us, and, and and most of us had not gotten the shot, and we were just kind of t- talking about it and, and kind of sharing some some of our feelings, uh, even though we're, we're all kind of in the same camp, so to speak. We're, we're sharing some some content, if you will. And, uh, you know, I mean, he mentioned, he's like, well, you know, I got the vaccine, and I, I've never felt better. You know, I haven't had the flu the whole time. I feel great. And, and you know, I made the point, and, and uh, I just said... Uh, well, you know, if it was just the vaccine and it was just COVID, right, and this is the only thing that's going on, then, okay, I mean, I, I, I might even grant you, okay, the, the, you might have a point, whatever, let's look at that a little bit more objectively. But there are so many other things going on around the mandates and legislation and, you know, censorship and all of this, mm-hmm. it, not to mention, and, and, I, and I said this, I said, I mean, what are your thoughts on Australia? I mean, Australia is uh, like, literally, they're like beating people in the streets and arresting them for going outside yeah, without Barbara masks on. Yeah, mentioned Australia. You know, and, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, she did mention that. And, New and, Zealand, the, the <laughs> what, what are the camps called? The um, just COVID camps, I mean. They have a name, like the health. Oh, I don't remember that, but freedom, but um, it's not health freedom camps for the. I don't know. Well, I don't know. They're yeah. not called COVID camps. They have a very neat. 
<laughs> name. very positive name. But, yeah. Well, but but I but I mentioned. I said I said what do you what. Where is that ever? Would that ever be okay? You know what's going on mm-hmm. in Australia. I mean, it's not like it's going people on. People going in, right? Health officials going in people's homes. Okay, just just about anything you can think of is happening in Australia. I mean, literally, if you can get on Telegram and get in some of these COVID channels. I oh, mean, speaking of Telegram. Well, you yeah, follow us on Telegram, the Collective Resistance Podcast. Get that 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 uh, plug in there, um, but. I just mentioned, I said, what are your thoughts on Australia? You know, and he said, what, what's going on in Australia? <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, what's going on in Australia? And so this is the, this is the challenge, you know, that, that I think we have. Because then I think in that moment, I, I just had the realization. I was like, okay, well, look, don't even go anywhere with it. Because, you, because you're going to need, you know, you're going to need an hour, maybe two <laughs> yeah. hours. And I knew we weren't going to be there for very long. And I'm like... Oh, oh Lord. Okay. I'm yeah. just gonna I'm just gonna I'm just gonna back away. I'm gonna go, okay, well, I'm happy. You haven't had the flu. That's great. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but I mean it just gives and we're, we're for choice. Yeah, Again, we are we for are choice. For we choice. are for choice. And and but it just gi- gave me a snapshot of, you know, they're not seeing any of this other data. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? They're, they're watching Rachel Maddow and and that's where they're getting all their news is from Rachel Maddow and uh uh, it's problematic. It's very problematic, mm-hmm. you know. So then yeah. um, uh, we, you know, are kind of in the, what I coined the post-thinking era, I believe, is where we're at. Because mm-hmm. we're seeing a lot of stuff where, you know, you can have just outright, you can have the data right there and, and they just play <laughs> dumb. And, and, and uh, post-thinking. Post-thinking era. We're just in that. That's where we're at. And and uh, is that a is that a thing? I just I, a, I coined just that. Coined I just coined it? that. Oh, wow. So if you hear any, maybe you should name it, the episode the post-thinking era. I, I also coined the term booyah back <laughs> in the nineties. Okay, so uh, if you ever heard anybody say booyah, yeah, that which nobody really uses that anymore. But uh, but anyway, post-thinking era, um, and and one of the biggest. Uh, you know, recent clips, you know, uh, Sanjay Gupta, Dr. Sanjay Gupta went on Joe Rogan and, and, uh, um, he did a three hour interview and, you know, Joe called him out for his network, you know, uh, uh, telling people that he, well, that he was using horse dewormer, (laughs) you know, to, to, to cure him of his COVID. And, uh, he's like, I remember what he said specifically. He's like, he's like, I can afford people medication, motherfucker. (laughs) You know, he said that. And, and, and and because it makes the point that, that CNN completely forgets that billions of people have been prescribed the human version of ivermectin. And uh, uh, they won't let that out there. And, um, and, you know, and Sanjay Gupta, he eventually said, you know, they shouldn't have done that. They shouldn't have done that. But then Joe asked him, well, did you ask him why they did it? And he goes, no, you know, I, did, I didn't ask him. He's like, you're the head medical guy on the network. He goes, and they ran with this for weeks, you know, mm-hmm. and, and uh, he just played dumb that he, he, he didn't know anything about yeah. it. And, and so, so he, then he makes the broader point in that interview. He says, you know, so if, if they're outright lying about that, because that's not, a, that's not a, a, a lie by mistake, you know that that's an outright lie that yeah. they were doing to to get a specific response. And if they're willing to do that, how can we trust them with anything? How do we know they're reporting on Syria correctly or Russia or anything else? I mean, 
if they're willing to do that on something so simple, which is so easy to show that a drug like ivermectin that the developer won the, uh, you know, the scientist won the Nobel Prize for, it's on the WHO's list of essential medications, it's been around for, you know, 40, 50 years. Uh, I, I mean, if they're going to tell a lie like that, then how can you believe anything mm-hmm. that they say, you know? And so... So anyway, post-thinking era. So I don't know what we do in the post-thinking era because you know it's you just can't you can't get anywhere with anyone. Um, but then you know we we came back you know and it was good to get back to our home. Mm-hmm. And uh, but then we we really started to feel the ramp up of the employer vaccine requirements. Yeah. And um, it's been percolating. It's been percolating, but since but, uh, Biden's statements yeah and yeah his, that they're what is it they're losing their patience they, yes their, their patience is wearing, wearing thin. thin yes, yes. Right. thank you dad thanks yeah. dad um thank you joe <laughs> so oh, what was that yeah what was that phrase let's go funny? brandon let's, let's go, go brandon. brandon and if you missed let's go brandon <laughs> that is uh another I, th- I think that was also a cnn report no no i take it back that was espn <laughs> Um, I believe Let's and, go, Brandon. and uh, the crowds apparently at, at college football. Should we just leave it at Let's Go, Brandon? Maybe we should leave yeah. it at Let's Go, Brandon. Just just know that if if your if your ears are peaked up about what we're saying and you don't know what the hell Let's Go, Brandon is, then you ought to be able to uh, Google that and, and understand that very <laughs> no, quickly. No, don't Google. Okay, Go don't to Google, an yeah. alternate yeah <laughs> search engine. But but anyway, back to what we were talking about with the. Um, the employer vaccine requirements, you know, so companies over a hundred employees, mm-hmm. you know, the federal government through some type of, um, uh, not legislation, but some type of dictates through OSHA, uh, you know, are making these workplace requirements for, um, you know, all employees need to be vaccinated. And, uh, we, shall we talk about that? Well, we sure, certainly. Yes. I mean, we both work for companies over a hundred employees mm-hmm. and we're both having, experiences the pressure is definitely on yeah you know we're getting toward the end of the funnel Mm -hmm. you know i I have a very interesting situation because um i mean i I think i have a path you know that 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 i can take that that i think i have a path you have a path yes no 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 but i mean i mean one with this that that my employer is not going to um Give me shit about is what I mean. Yeah, no employer should be giving anybody right. shit about. But but we anything. know that's that we know that's going to happen because a lot of people will will just do what they're told because and they're that, threatened. That's why we want to talk about the laws. Yes, you yes. Know? We want to talk about the EEOC. Yes, the Equal so, Employment Opportunity Commission. Commission. Yes. Okay, so I'll, I'll let's. I had. Um, Several people actually reached out to me this week about this um, this mandate and employers basically telling you, go get your shot, giving you a deadline. So I want to share with you, before we start talking about the EEOC, I want to share another quote with you. Okay, it's by Robert Kiyosaki. He's a billionaire. He's the rich dad, poor dad guy, if you ever heard that or heard him. Best-selling book. Yes. Yeah. So this is what he says, and remember this, okay? The higher the risk, the smarter you got to be. So it's time for us to be 
smart. Yes. Okay, yes. smart about this. Because as we know, with the media, with the propaganda, our presidents, um, our government right now is spending billions in propaganda. Okay. So the EEOC is the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission. And if you go on their website, we're going to share those notes um, in the notes of the pod, uh, this episode, of course. And the EEOC is the U.S. Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, and they're responsible for enforcing federal laws that make it illegal to discriminate against a job applicant or an employee because of the person's race, color, religion, sex, including pregnancy, transgender status, and sexual orientation, national origin, age, disability, or genetic information. Okay, most employers with at least 15 employees are covered by EEOC laws. 20 employees, uh, 20 employee and age discrimination cases. Most labor unions and employment agencies are also covered. The law applies to all types of work situations, including hiring, firing, promotions, harassment, training, wages, and benefits. So in their website, they have a section all about COVID, okay? And the section that you want to look at is section K, okay? And I'm just going to uh, go over a few things they say in that section, particularly a couple of questions they had in there. And the first one was K1 under ADA title um, 7 and other federal employment non-discrimination laws, and this is when we need to be smart, okay? This is the question they have on their website. May an employer require all employees physically entering the workplace to be vaccinated against COVID-19? And it's interesting because I followed this lady, Peggy Hall, at the healthyamerican.org. She is fantastic. I mean, she looked through constitution, all the constitutional laws, all employment laws. She talks about, you know, schools, everything under the sun and she has resources on how um, you can basically protect your right of choice and informed consent and body sovereignty and she pointed us to this website and it's interesting because as she did a whole um, webinar about this and I just noticed I went to the EEOC website and said they updated their website uh, about a week ago. So what is happening is whatever Peggy talks about, um, the powers that be uh, scrutinize what she's saying. They go and they change links that she shares. They change the information. They change the wording. They can't change the law, right? They can't change the law, but they can make it seem they can make that wording seem like employers can do whatever the heck they want. And we know that employers are not above the law, not even executive orders of um, our president are above the law. Those are just suggestions. They're not the law because the executive branch does not um, create laws. Okay, so this question is if the employers can require you to go ahead and get your shot. And um, and if you read it in there, it says that in some circumstances, Title VII and the ADA, which is, I'll tell you what the ADA is, because I wrote it down, Americans with Disabilities Act, 
Okay, that's the ADA. When I say that, that's what I mean. Uh, Title VII, the ADA, requiring employers to provide reasonable accommodations for employees who, because of a disability or a sincerely held religious belief, practice or observance, do not get vaccinated against COVID-19. Okay, so they got to provide accommodations. Okay, employer has to accept that is your either uh, for disability. Okay, you may not get the shot because it could hurt you and it could kill you and they have no liability. So they can't force you or because you have a sincerely held religious belief, which may just mean uh, you, you believe that God has made your body perfect and your immune system perfect and you trust that. Uh, over um, a drug manufacturer by Big Pharma that is um, there for profit, for example. So that can be your sincere, sincerely held religious belief. It doesn't have to be anything more than that. And it doesn't have to be certified by a religious leader because it's your belief. And who is to say that your belief is uh, right or wrong when it comes to your faith, right? Your faith is your faith, your rela relationship with God, the universe, divine, prana, chi, um, the force, power, you know? It's between you and that, and that higher power. It's not between you and your employer. And they actually don't even have the right to question your sincere uh, health beliefs. Okay, so as with an employment policy, employers that have a vaccination requirement requirement may need to respond and may need to respond. They have to respond to allegations that the requirement has a, dis a disparate impact on or disproportionately excludes employees based on their race, color, religion, sex, or national origin under Title VII or age under the Age Discrimination in Employment Act, 40 plus. Employers should keep in mind that because some individuals or demographic groups may face barriers to receiving a COVID-19 vaccination, some employees may be more likely to be negatively impacted by a vaccination requirement. It would also be unlawful to apply a vaccination requirement to employees in a way that threat. Uh, treats employees differently based on disability, race, color, religion, sex, including pregnancy, sexual orientation, and gender identity, national origin, age, or genetic information, unless there is a legitimate non-discriminatory reason. Okay, so um, the other questions, uh, the other thing they talk about specifically is the mandatory employer vaccination programs. So uh, under the ADA, Americans with Disabilities Act, may an employer require a COVID-19 vaccination for all employees entering the workplace, even though it knows that some employees may not get a vaccine because of disability. Um, and the first <laughs> word in the answer says yes. And that's when you need to be smart and you need to read between the lines. If a particular employee cannot meet such a safety-related qualification standard because of a disability, the employer may not require compliance for that employee unless it can demonstrate that individual would pose a direct threat to the health or safety of the employee or others in the workplace. And that's what it would be impossible for them to prove. 
And why is that? We've been talking about it so much. First, virus was not isolated. Second, vaccine does not prevent infection or transmission. Third, the testing does not determine infection. So it would be, it would be impossible for them to say that you were a direct threat, especially when you're healthy. They can say that. And actually under the constitution for them to tell you that you were sick when you are not is also a violation. Um, let's see what else it's interesting that they said. Okay, so this is their advice for the employers. As a best practice, an employer introducing a COVID-19 vaccination policy and requiring documentation or other confirmations of vaccination should notify all employees that the employer will consider requests for reasonable accommodation based on disability on an individualized basis. Okay, so they have, and they list over there what their um, recommended best practices for religious accommodations and uh, medical accommodations as well. So that's one. So that's the EEOC. I highly recommend that if your employee employer is mandating, requiring whatever you to get the shot, to go on that website on that website and read what you know, what, what they're enforcing and what your rights are. The other thing is, and we talked about that in a previous episode, it's informed consent. So AHS, Health and Human Services, Federal Policy Protection of Human Subjects, that exists. It's AHS CFR Part 46, Section 46, 46116. Okay, and we know that these uh, drugs are still undergoing uh, trials that won't be done at least until 2023. Okay, so based on that, AHS, Federal Policy Protection of Human Subjects, the general requirement for, uh, there's a general requirement for informed consent. So let's just review where informed consent is. If you are required to um, have a vaccination or even wear a mask, it is required by law that you get an explanation of the risks and benefits as well as what are the alternative treatments. Leah was just talking about ivermectin there. And there's many alternative treatments. Once provided this information, you have a right of refusal. Okay, your employer um, cannot... Uh, Overwrite that. Um, and then I wanted to talk about a few federal laws. May I, Cleo? Please do. Okay. You're on a roll. So we have Title II of the Civil Rights Act says, all persons shall be entitled to the full and equal employment of the goods, services, facilities, privileges, advantages, and accommodations of any place of public accommodation as defined in this section without discrimination on the grounds of race, color, religion, or national origin. Religion in this case is not necessarily organized religion and is broadly defined as a deep belief that an individual holds. So as the belief we said that God has made your immune system just perfect and you can fight this much better with your immune system than you can with a drug that doesn't prevent infection or transmission. According to the Department of Justice, you, federal civil rights, cannot be waived 
even during emergencies. Okay. What else we got? Unlawful employment practices according to section 2000E-2, section 703 of the Federal Civil Rights Act. It shall be an unlawful employment practice for an employer to fail or refuse to hire or to discharge any individual or otherwise to discriminate against any individual with respect to his compensation, terms, conditions, or privileges of employment because of such individual's race, color, religion, sex, or national origin, or to limit, segregate, or classify his employees or applicants for employment in any way which would deprive or tend to deprive any individuals of employment opportunities or otherwise adversely affect his status as an employee because of such individual's race, color, religion, sex, or national origin. And we'll post those resources in the show notes. In the show notes. One more thing for you to put in your tool belt, okay? Your right to informed consent, as I already said, I'm going to say one more time. The Patient Bill of Rights states that you have the right to informed consent and to accept, decline any medical intervention. This includes when it is being imposed on you by private business, restaurants, gyms, your employer, etc. Medical interventions include mass distancing testing and oral and intravenous intravenous therapies and i rest my case that i'm done okay <laughs> no that's good to get that stuff down uh people can listen to this and we'll then put also all add, the add, resources for you guys and you know we don't want this episode to go be too smart long. <laughs> be smart yes yes you need to know what you don't the higher know the rest the smarter you gotta be and he wasn't even talking about necessarily um, uh, any of this stuff. It's just a good quote that's applicable just about anywhere, anywhere there's mm -hmm. a risk, right? I think yeah. he was actually talking about cryptocurrency, wasn't he? He was talking about uh, centralized versus decentralized, decentralized banking. Yeah. And Finance. now we know that there is oppression happening. So to navigate these times, you got to be smart because the stakes are high. I mean, the stakes are your health and your well-being. And, you know, I, I find it really intriguing because, um, you know, I, I was much more kind of, um, I don't want to say in hysterics, but I mean, I, I, I had more emotion and I was more tied up in this earlier on when the stakes weren't as high, meaning like we didn't really know how this was all going to come together. And now that we're seeing it all come together and we've even, I mean, I even have technically a, like a, like a drop dead date that I've got to have all of this sorted by, you know, with my, my employer and all that. I really don't feel that stressed about it. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? It's just like, okay, I just got to... Because you know your rights and you, you, yeah, you have yeah. conviction behind it. And yeah. I think that's when it's hard and people get scared is when they just don't know what their rights are and they don't know what the laws are. And then... Um, and, and there's not just, you know, coercion from an employer. There's also the peer pressure, which we also talked about in other episodes, right? Like, am I, uh, with my employer, I basically get emails almost daily about, you know, this being a compliance issue. Yeah. And it's, 
compliance with what? <laughs> yeah. You know, <laughs> the policy, I mean, my agreement with my employer is to get a specific task and a specific job done. It wasn't part of my contract to medically experiment on myself. <laughs> exactly. Which I'm sure is the case with <laughs> all the employees out there. Yeah. So, you know, go back to your, if you have to, go back to your employer agreement, you know, the agreement you have with your employer. And you can, you, if they don't think your religious beliefs are enough, you know, your sincere held religious beliefs are enough, uh, you know, you have to educate them, mm-hmm. you know, what the laws are, what your rights are, what their role is, what your role is, and go back to your agreement and say, okay, there's nothing here in my agreement that says medical exper- experimentation um, is something I need to subdue myself to. Yep, certainly. And, uh, you know, I think another thing we want to just touch on before we kind of uh, close out on this episode is we want to kind of preview where we'd like to go with this season. It's a new season. We'd like to have a little bit of a different flair. You know, we we certainly have covered COVID at least as a, um, you know, a, a mainstay topic, you know, as far mm-hmm. as what our, most of our angles are, 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 are pointing toward the vaccines, they're pointing toward the testing, they're pointing toward, uh, you know, we did a little bit around like the Great Reset last uh, season, we talked mm-hmm. about that. Uh, but, you know, one of the things that that uh, has really stayed with me over the years is, uh, you know, there are the things that you know that you know, right? Mm-hmm. And then you've got the, the things that you know that you don't know, which is actually probably a much bigger circle. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I remember we remember we attended that mm-hmm. that uh, the pie chart that conference, and it was three circles, and and uh, each one was bigger, but they were kind of you know crossing over each other, and and uh, and so you've got the you know the, the things you know you know, then there's what you know you don't know, and then the biggest circle is what which you, was like I don't know ninety seven percent. it's huge. It's what you don't know that <laughs> well, you don't know. Yeah. And, and that's where your real blind spots are. And so, you know, what we want to do in this particular season, you know, there are a lot of things that are going on um, in the financial markets, in the technology markets. You know, these things have been uh, funded, percolating, studied, uh, implemented, you know, legislation has been brought up. And uh, these things are all happening. They're not just pet projects of people. I mean, there is an actual push and a coordination across these things, uh, you know, from new um, uh, financial vehicles for investment and essentially investment gambling, uh, and and then also just the technologies that manage data and uh, how that data interacts with us in our lives, you know, and that can be, uh, you know, how we take advantage of, uh, government resources versus, uh, you know, really even the smart appliances that exist within your home that you utilize and are now becoming connected to the internet, you know, from your refrigerator to your your uh, washer and dryer and things of that nature. And you may be saying to yourself, 
what does that have to do with COVID? Well, believe it or not, it it, it does. It doesn't have anything to do with with infectious disease uh, outright, but the the uh, the technologies that are coming into play and that in a lot of ways are being fast tracked as a result of COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's a convergence. And uh, you know, we were talking a little bit about that. There was that clip you played me before. You know, something about you know uh, political convergence, financial convergence, and uh, technology. And, and technological convergence, they all actually have major shifts um, at different intervals. I think one was 80 years, one was 100 years, mm-hmm. another one was 250 250, years. we have a revolution every 250 yeah. years. And, at first it comes freedom, then we see oppression, and then we see a revolution, and it always comes in that order. But, but the most interesting thing to me is that they're all converging at the same time, they're, yeah. they're, this is where they've now all rolled over and they're actually coming together at the same exact moment. So though these other things are happening, you know, we talk a lot about what's happening in health and whatnot, but uh, there is all of this other stuff in pl- at play in the financial markets. We have touched a little bit on cryptocurrency mm-hmm. and then the underlying technology there being blockchain, mm-hmm. which many of you may not know that, you know, blockchain is um, really just a distributed ledger of storing information, you know, out on the, uh, the the internet, and you have many different use cases for how you can utilize that technology. Mm-hmm. Cryptocurrency is just one use case, but mm-hmm. there is an infinite number of them, you know, from logistics, uh, you know. Uh, uh, actual uh, social welfare programs. I mean, there's there's just about anything under the sun. And there's a there's a woman who's politics too, right? Politics. I mean, just about yeah, voting. Yeah, think and all about of that. voting when you have a decentralized ledger. Yeah, there's no way to cheat. <laughs> yeah, but but uh, there's also some ways though to market the blockchain and utilize the the good um, feelings that it is winning over when people, because we're seeing many, many, many people come to cryptocurrency and see some of the benefits of decentralized finance, Mm -hmm. DeFi as they call it. But um, you can actually utilize that same uh, technology with centralization. Mm -hmm. And if people think that cryptocurrency, which tends to most often be decentralized, would carry over into these other markets and they would all be decentralized as well. Well, that's not exactly what's going on. And mm-hmm. so we're going to dive in there of maybe what you might call some of the downsides of blockchain and how mm-hmm. that could actually uh, usher in some stuff that... More control. More control. And and so... Specifically, uh, you know, going to the topic of the internet of bodies internet of bodies yeah yeah that so, so we have the internet of things and the ideas around you know smart cities and everything being connected in your house i mean you can think about you know the doorbell right the safety that that brings now because you have cameras and all this and this and it's funny because the subject is all always around safety Oh yeah, you know, yeah, keeping you safe. Well, it, it's it's safety and convenience. Safety and, and convenience. But then thinking about you know that being connected to uh, like a door lock, for example. Let's say that you, and this is funny. This is one example that we heard. But let's say if it's around health, you know, having bowel movements daily, it's very healthy. 
Let's say that you don't have a bowel movement a day and you have a smart toilet and you know your your houses are connected and then there is a smart contract in the blockchain that says basically if you didn't have a bowel movement that day your door won't open. Well, and 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 these things out of context they 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 might sound a little bit goofy but but uh, I think a lot of the things we've talked about with COVID are pretty goofy. <laughs> So, 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 I mean, we're going to connect those dots. That's what we're going to try to do in some of these episodes. So, you know, we want you to stay tuned there. We want to introduce you to this woman, Allison McDowell, who is not uh, unlike us. You know, she was a mom who was actually investigating, um, she was investigating digital curriculum and uh, corporate controlled education. And uh, she really kind of opened up a Pandora's box uh, when she dove into that. And, and, and she got exposed to all of this other stuff, like this financial market stuff. And, and um, she's one of those people, which is really intriguing, because you know these ideas sound a little out there. But then when you listen to someone like her, I mean, she wraps this up together and she does it like she's given the speech she connects so many dots yeah about technology and about you know our body being the last frontier the last frontier to be controlled like our body our mind our spirit right and there's some um very powerful individuals in our uh world today that actually want to crack the code. They want to own that frontier. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, so and, and, and COVID may be uh, the start of that. And it's and, the op- the opportunity. Yeah. And and so that's kind of given me a shift away from the uh, you know what's tended to, to percolate around COVID being you know like maybe a potential mass culling you know of people to get the population down and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And and I've kind of shifted my my understanding of that it may not be that it may just be kind of a uh, an ushering in of this technology that will manage us um from the top down meaning meaning you know the elites and then the if you want to call us the plebes or whatever you know (laughs) so it's very interesting stuff we want to dive into it and we think you'll find it very interesting too so stay tuned for coming episodes Mm -hmm. around that um Fabi, what else do you want to touch on before? Because we, we are at about an hour 17, which is pretty long for oh, us. Oh, yeah. No, I, I think that uh, what's coming really is a shift in what COVID is and the opportunities that it brings and the the um, positives and negatives, the upsides and the downsides of technology in this in this final frontier. Fantastic. And I cannot wait to uh, hit the uh, sack tonight. I, I I cut almost six cords of wood. <laughs> and I've That's ne- what you do in the boonies. I've, I've never cut wood before. And uh, let me tell you, that's you harder. You got a crash, a crash course? Yeah, yeah. That's today. harder than it looks. Okay. <laughs> so I'm ready to, uh, to hit the sheet. So, all right. That's it for episode 31 of season four on the Collective Resistance Podcast. Fabi, what do you want to tell everybody? I want to tell everybody to stay safe, stay healthy, and stay curious.